action sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. This is Ignition. Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald. And I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. And we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got questions about today's episode, or if you have ideas for future episodes, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do so. The first is by email. Email address, Father Dickinson. Ignition at sfcatholic.org. Or... You can, oops. Ah, follies. You can tweet at us at... Using the Twitter handle at SFDiocese, hashtag ignition. Twitter handle at SFDiocese, as in Sioux Falls Diocese, hashtag ignition. There we go. We're, We've been doing this for six years, but you would never know. No. <laughs> Someday. It's good for our humanity. We keep it real that way. Thank you, Lord. We keep it real. That's right. When keeping it real keep goes it wrong. Very real. It's, this is an edgy, raw, real podcast because <laughs> we make mistakes all the time. Boy, howdy. So uh, speaking of making mistakes, <laughs> the podcast, to, yeah. for the topic for today. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The people yeah, of Israel yeah. made mistakes. And, oh, boy, howdy. And we make mistakes. Yep. And we there's some parallels there that, that actually you pointed out. So hmm. I think I'll probably turn it over to you to start with because this was, a I think, a, um, a beautiful uh proposal for an episode topic well can i tell you a story please but i totally forgot the guy's name oh is it raraboam or jeroboam oh uh, uh the one who went north yeah raraboam i think is it raraboam i think because i think jeroboam was in the states so let me south. tell you a story about raraboam okay okay so uh we're all familiar with king david right the yep. uh, first king of israel and how he uh in from first samuel and second samuel uh became a leader of all of Israel, the king of all Israel, anointed by the prophet Samuel, and uh, that uh, he would be the, the king of all Israel and that his sons would sit on his throne forever. And uh, his next son was? Solomon. Right. So the next king of the Davidic kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, the Jewish people, was Solomon. And then after Solomon was... Oh, that's where... That's where the story comes in. So Solomon had many sons, actually, because he had many wives, but that's a different story for another uh, episode of Ignition. But after Solomon dies, Rehoboam, who's in the north, uh, goes to Jeroboam, who's the chosen successor of Solomon, to sit on the throne of King David... uh, Jeroboam comes and says, hey, Solomon was really hard on those of us in the north. And so the Jewish people, there's 12 tribes, uh, 12 tribes of Israel. There's two that are mainly in the south, Judah and Benjamin, and then 10 that were in the north. Right. And uh, we're not going to name all of them. <laughs> Manasseh, Ephraim, uh, Issachar, a uh, bunch of other ones. But uh, they're in the north, and they come down and said, hey, listen, like, David and Solomon were really tough on us because they built the temple, and they taxed us, and they took all this stuff. And we got to ask you, like, if, if you're lighter, if you cut Jeroboam, if you're lighter on us than Solomon and David were, oh, we switched it? Yeah, we switched it. <gasps> That's all right. Okay. Good thing we have an excellent sound engineer home. Sure, he's going to yeah, like, undo the mistake that we just made. Well. No? It's a oh. real podcast. Oh, Okay. So anyway, so Jeroboam is the one who represents the people in the north, and Rehoboam is the chosen successor of Solomon. And uh, 
Jeroboam comes and says, hey, if you lead us and you lead us well, we'll follow wherever you go. And uh, if you're lighter than your father was. And so Rehoboam goes to the advisors of Solomon and they're like, yes, lighten up, lighten up. And then Rehoboam goes to his buds and they're like, no, go harder on them. You know, like take more for yourself. And so Rehoboam comes back to Jeroboam and the 10 tribes of the north and the representatives. And he says, yeah, you thought my father laid a heavy hand on you? Like the hand of my father, the thigh of my father is not the size of my little finger. You know, so you thought you had a bad one. He whipped you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions, you know. And so the people in the north uh, say, all right, uh, we're going to leave you behind. And this is where the story of Jerusalem, uh, Israel gets really interesting. So this is stuff in the Bible you may not know. I feel like I've been telling a story for a while now. <laughs> maybe much of if a people point. want more detail, it's 1 Kings 12, but continue. That'd be great. So 1 Kings 12 and following. And so the people uh, of Israel divide in half, and you have the kingdom of Judah in the south and the kingdom of Israel in the north with their own king uh, under Rehoboam and, uh, and others who follow after him. But the one thing that what don't they have in the north, geographically speaking? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. The city of Jerusalem. Not just the city of Jerusalem, but what's in Jerusalem. The temple. And what's in the temple? The ark. The ark of the living God. Right. Right. In the presence of God. And the Shekinah. Right. So the very dwelling of God and where God has chosen and where God has asked us right. to worship him right. uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, they abandoned Jerusalem to for the sake of following their own ways. Right. And uh, that's kind of our little launching point for this episode of Ignition. Right. So Jeroboam built up um, at Shechem um, new places of worship, the high places. Well, we, we read about those later in the Bible. Right, in the prophets. Exactly. So, so they, because they're not going to go to Jerusalem for political purposes, right. which I think is important. Because we want nothing to do with Rehoboam and his ilk. Exactly. So we're going to, we don't need to go to Jerusalem. We can build our own temples. We can build our whole own holy places. Exactly. And they thought they would still worship the one true God right. in those high places. Right, right. Uh, but then things go begin to go very wrong right. for the Jewish people in the north. Right. And so these 10 tribes in the north... As they worship on the high places, their civilization begins to crumble. They begin to worship false gods. Uh, their structure begins to fall apart until eventually they're conquered by the... Uh, Babylonians. No. Oh. Assyrians. That's later. Yeah, Assyrians first. In the yeah, yep. the Assyrians. And so uh, things just don't go well for them. So they abandon worship of the true God in Jerusalem and where God and how God told them to worship... You know, and the temple made after the pattern of the heavenly temple, after the pattern of the meeting tent from the desert with Moses. And uh, they build their own pattern on their own design of their own worship, and uh, eventually their civilization crumbles. It no, and now, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over the course of several centuries. Correct. But it still happened. It still happened, without right. a doubt. Right, right. And so... Um, and so I think just also in terms of historical context, so when we read uh, in, in the prophet's about Elijah, for instance, a lot of his work, if you will, was in the north because they were f- starting to go after false gods, right. worship they, false gods. They're the most God, most uh, heavy, most abandoned god, and that's why. So historically, you know, these were the people, the people of the tribes of Israel. So these were all Israelites, um, uh, and and it became eventually the Jews, who were just the dis- tribes, the descendants of the tribes in the south. So the the t- ten northern tribes would ultimately disappear because, well. For a variety of reasons, but it began, I think, is the point that we're trying to make here with false worship. 
And so with that false worship, the moral and the temporal uh, degradation of Israel happens in that regard. When they don't have the right worship, uh, their moral order, what's right and what's wrong, and even their civil order, uh, how will things be organized, begins to degrade and to collapse. And I, I think it does, I mean, th- that's the right progression too. We, the way that you just mm-hmm. stated it isn't happenstance, that's mm-hmm. how it happens. So how they worship falls apart, which leads to a fall apart of their morality, which leads to ultimately the collapse of their civilization. So why are we talking about this? <laughs> What's because the big what, deal? What goes around, that's the end of this episode of Ignition. If you have any thanks questions. Thanks for listening. Because what goes around comes around, Father. And those who don't learn history... Are doomed to repeat it. That's right. So we're talking about this just because, you know, it'd be good to examine our own American culture in that way. Can we survive as a civilization without a common worship? Right, right. And, you know, I mean, so we're, we're a, a lot, uh, a lot today. That's really bad syntax. Um, a lot today, we'll go with it anyway, I'm doubling down. Uh, you, we, we're talking in the church about the hmm. um, First Amendment and, right. and the right to, and so on. And, uh, and our, our culture, our country, I should say, our country was founded on uh, freedom, um, constitution, the Bill of Rights, the First Amendment in particular. Um, I think it's important to note in the application acknowledging up front that we've never had um, organize, a formal state religion in Correct. our country. Correct. However, historically, we have had, um, some, I, I think, some sort of at least consensus, which was generally Judeo-Christian. Well, which was Judeo-Christian. Right. It wasn't just it was. It was pretty yeah. explicitly Judeo-Christian. Right, right. So even though we've never, you know, there has not been a state religion, there has been a de facto civil religion, as many sociologists say. That's known. a great distinction between this, between a state religion and a civil religion. Right. Because a civil religion in that way is a reflective of uh, the people themselves as opposed to a reflection of the mechanisms of government. Right, right, right. Um, so that that's always been the case. Now, some would argue, and we're not going to go down this road because th- this will be a mul- multiple episodes in and of themselves. Even from the get-go, though, that foundation was not as solid or, or, or secure as one might think. Um, but we'll, we could talk about that in another episode. Oh, yeah, we could talk about how they were trading on uh, the uh, the foundations of Christendom uh, exactly. before the Protestant Reformation, before the uh, the rise of other uh, uh, governments. And Right, yeah. right. But regardless, but of, we're not going to do that. No, we're not doing. That. We could do that, but we're not. But gonna we're not going to do that. If you ask us by emailing us ignition at sfcatholic.org or tweeting at us sfdiocese, please using the Twitter handle Twitter handle sfdiocese with the hashtag ignition, then we'd be happy to talk about it. But we're not going to today. Not today. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, so. Regardless of, of how secure a foundation actually was at the beginning, there was a pretty solid structure, at least for a long time, built right. on this civic religion, uh, which was generally Judeo-Christian in nature. Um, <clears throat> and I think it, it is worth, as, as you pointed out or it, when you proposed the topic, looking at the parallels historically with Israel and what that might say about us today. And I think also it's important to think about this, dear listeners, just simply because I think most Americans would identify that there is some sort of a decline or decay or degradization, degradization, degradation, degradation, degradation uh, of the quality of American public life. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, so that's what we're, that's why we're looking at this issue of like, what happens when we abandon 
uh, common worship right. in that way? What risks do we face? Can we survive? And I think, and the way you just put it, can we survive? I think it's worth just uh, briefly mm. addressing that for a bit. I think um, I was reflecting on this as we were preparing for the show today that uh, I think sometimes, I don't know, the, the air in which we breathe, our American culture, I think because of that, <laughs> yes, the air we breathe. The air which we breathe. Um, part of our American DNA, if you will, uh, has, has and, and, and theologians have talked about this, we've sort of substituted the church of God with our country. Which it's, is another topic we could dive into. But we won't. But what more could we say about it when we're not diving into it? Well, <laughs> I think, so for instance, uh, I, you know, the, the uh, whatever you thought of his policies, the very popular president in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan, mm-hmm. spoke um, about America as the shining no, city on the hill. hill. Right. Where, Where do you get that language I from? I think from the gospel. Could it be the gospel of <laughs> Matthew? In which Jesus is talking not about the United States of America, but what? about the Church of Jesus Christ. Oh. Which church is that? Hmm. Catholic. Could it be? So the point there is that we have sort of, I think, I know I have, even though I'm obviously explicitly Catholic and I know this, all, this intellectually, somewhere in my bones is this feeling, the sense that our country is going to always, always going to endure. It's been founded and it will always be there in the way it has been because Jesus said so. Oh, maybe not. Maybe not. Although, I mean, we could maybe. <clears throat> Uh, assign that to kind of a misformed patriotism. Right, right. But that's a different topic as well. <laughs> patriotism as a form of piety. Right. As I hope our engineer is keeping track of all this these This is at least three topics. topics. Uh, Thanks. Good job. Thanks. For, yeah. Anyway, so we're not going to spend more time on that. I think it's just worth noting that we, our country... Right, we need to go back to this idea of... Does an abandonment of worship and the centrality of worship and worship at the heart, worship of God at the heart of American civil identity, how, what impact might that have right. on the American uh, civilization? Right. And so I love how you put it, you frame the comfort question another way. Can we survive as a civilization without a common cult? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Not culture, cult. cult. We're supposed to worship cults. What are you doing? Totally. Into? I, mean, I always knew you Catholics were cult worshipers or cult. We're drinking the Kool-Aid here on Ignition. So what do you mean by that when you put the question that way? So cult, I mean in the technical term of the word, which is cult means an act of worship. Right. And so and whenever you hear the word culture, you should always call to mind uh the fact that culture is tied into uh two things. It's called into worship, cult, and tied into cultivation of the land. Right. And the more that we're removed from that, uh, at least in the common sense, or even just being removed ourselves from that as an explicit, deliberate action, uh, the more we risk losing what our culture is. Right, right. And so that's where, I, when, when we were talking about this, I thought of um, the theologian, uh, public scholar, if you will, George Weigel, um, mm-hmm. one of the things that, that I am grateful to him most for, the thing I am most grateful to him for, is his biography of John Paul II, a, a, a terrific work unpacking not just the, the life of, but also the thinking of St. John Paul II. And one of the things that he pointed to in John Paul II's own work, if you will, his own project as a priest, as a bishop, and then as pope, was mm-hmm. exactly this point, that, that it's be, underneath, pul- underneath 
pol- political questions are questions of culture, and in, uh, underneath cultural questions are questions of cult. Cult, yeah, questions of worship. Right, and who is therefore so in order to understand who man is, culture and civilization, politics, we need to understand and worship properly who God is. Correct. Cult. Well, thinking back to his favorite line, maybe a line that he wrote the Second Vatican Council, uh, not George Weigel, but uh, Pope St. John Paul II, <laughs> Uh, from Gaudium et Spes 22, yep. uh, in Jesus Christ, man fully reveals man to man himself. God fully reveals man to man himself. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but Jesus Christ is man. But yeah, yes. So, yes. But anyway. yes, but yeah, God reveals man to man himself. But, uh, right, and so this 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 notion of then, you know, if this is the case, or if you feel like you have some inkling, dear listeners, that there is some decline, there is some decay uh, to American culture, what is it that you're seeing and what can we do about it? Right. I think this whole idea of like what you're seeing, maybe another way to think about it from uh, uh, what Pope John Paul II said that Dr. Bergwald just quoted would be a, a quote by uh, G.K. Chesterton, who's a, a English uh, apologist for the faith going back uh, to England in the early 20th century. Uh, and he would say that when man ceases to believe in God, when men cease to believe in God, they do not then believe in nothing, they believe in anything. And so as a culture, it's not just that we've abandoned uh, the worship of God, but we've picked up the worship of other things. Right. That we've picked up the worship of other things in the place of God. The human person is a worshiping person. Right. And uh, made to worship, and we will worship things... Uh, false things, wrong things, when we don't have the right things supplied to us. I, and I think that's a, a, an important point to reiterate, that we cannot help but worship something. Now, somebody might listen, somebody listen to it, whether, whether you're a faithful Catholic or another Christian or somebody of a different faith or somebody who identifies himself as agnostic or atheist, it's, whoop, nobody's, bow, nobody's bowing down to false idols or golden calves. Or, that's true, but, but worship comes about and looks differently depending on what you're worshiping where your treasure is exactly there your heart will be right and where's american treasure going these days that's a that's a great question right which should be another episode of ignition (laughs) (laughs) but it but those are all fault i mean so money work where do i find myself worth in my time time yes in time like what's most precious to you is it is it the dollars in your wallet or is it your time right and so, and where are you spending your time? Right. Um, you know, a lot of people have commented on how the quote unquote high priest of our, of our culture today is the scientist. Yeah. He holds the keys to knowledge. And the keys to hope for the future. Exactly. Through science, we will defeat illness. Through science, we will defeat death. Through science, we will defeat hunger. Right. And it's important to know, again, we're, we're, not, we're not denigrating money or time or science or scientists. All of those things are good, but what makes a false idol an, a false idol? There might be some specific scientists that well, might denigrate, well, but I mean, no, you love them all. Um, well, I love them, but I might make <laughs> I'll denigrate their ideas. Okay, that's fine. Okay, what makes them false idols is we elevate them to a place that is, that they are, that they ought not be. Right. Correct. Correct. So give them an honor or even something beyond honor that is not due to them. Right. That is not just to give to them. Exactly. So so the problem is, as going back to this Chechen quote, they do not believe. When men cease to believe in God, they don't believe in nothing. They believe in anything. So we open ourselves to worship whatever suits our fancy. Yep. And, and that just, and also we worship it in a non uh, deliberate way. Right. right. 
Right. They were just kind of sucked into it. Yep. As some inevitable thing. And we don't even understand ourselves as beings who worship. Right. Right. But exactly. that's a topic for another day. Man. Wow. Make sure you tell us either by email, emailing to ignition at sfcatholic.org, emailing ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweeting at us using the Twitter handle at sfdiocese hashtag ignition. If one of these many varied topics that we mentioned uh, rings a bell or uh, ticks off, uh, uh, ticks ticks you off. No. (laughs) Man. (laughs) We strikes ate, your fancy. Strikes your fancy. We ate we ate big hamburgers at yeah. uh, Jim's Burgers on uh, Minnesota, and it was really good. The bacon was really good, <laughs> but uh, I'm just a little like addled. <laughs> yes, and, and if you're uh, the, who's who's addled, Father Andrew Dickinson. Is... I'm addled. I'm Father Andrew Dickinson. I'm addled, and I'm the uh, pastor of St. Paul's in White and the director of Pius XII Newman Center in, in Brookings, South Dakota. And I am Chris Bergwald, Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese. And this hot mess that you may have stumbled upon on the radio <laughs> is uh, Ignition, a podcast and radio show for the new evangelization. Yo. And we're talking today about the consequences of, frankly, false worship. And falling, yeah, falling away from right worship and into wrong worship. Okay, so, Father, we've been sort of, in a sense, theoretical. I mean, this is, this is about reality. It's not just about ideas. This is definitely about reality. But if we try to uh, make it even more concrete to that question that we often ask as Americans, so what do I do? From big picture to small picture. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, number one, just pray. Prayer is, effect- prayer is effective, especially prayer to the living and triune God is yeah. effective. Pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Ask in the name of Jesus. Uh, for political, economic, cultural leaders. Right, right. We can't neglect that. I think oftentimes, no. especially for those who are more politically engaged, we just think of them, maybe one figure or another is more my enemy or whatever. Oh, totally. Pray for them, especially if they're your enemy. We're supposed to pray for our enemies. Or also, if you're like me, and sometimes you're more a member of the apathetic party. Right. When it comes to politics, you're just like, yeah. Anyways. So, but yeah, so make sure you're praying. And it's not just, and again, I, you noted not just political leaders, but also economic and cultural, cultural leaders. leaders. Yes, very much so. So leaders of business and enterprise. Right. Yeah. Right. Men and women who are leaders there. Number two, uh, renewal begins with you, right. Dr. Bergwald. Yes, I'm looking at you. Yes, you are. Because <laughs> this is where my chair is pointed. <laughs> and your head. And there's no one else in this room. And That's so, not true. <laughs> but the, uh, aside from my engineer who's hiding and I can't, we can't see him. And so... Um, but yeah, so renewal begins with you. So renewing your family, you know, uh, teaching your family that they were made to worship God right? and, uh, uh, allowing them to experience that with the Sunday mass, taking the children to daily mass or yourself, if you've never been to a daily mass is a powerful experience, uh, just because you're not so much caught up into the maybe pageantry or the business and busyness of a Sunday parish mass that you're allowed to actually just kneel and pray. Right. So do that. Uh, And then, so it begins locally, but individually, but it might, so your family, but then also your parish, your community. So there's the outward growth. Yeah. uh, uh, Encourage good uh, Catholic worship. Find out what good Catholic worship is and encourage it in your parish. Right. Right. Uh, I just made a lot of pastors mad with that, probably. Yeah, probably. For dozens of listeners. <laughs> so, 
uh, realize that there, the other thing we're going to do is just realize that there has been a programmatic effort to strip and abandon the altars of the one true God in favor of the gods of our own day. Right. Right. Uh, is this an innocent mistake? That did not happen by accident. It did not happen by accident. So uh, this is a deliberate attempt to recreate humanity and society in the image of man as opposed to the image of God. Right. And so uh, that has been going on. It is going on. And you are you are downstream of that project. Yep. You are uh, almost centuries downstream of that project right. now. Right. right. And so it is affecting you, whether you realize now it's part of the air you breathe. Yeah. <sighs> There we go. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for the cue. I was looking for you. Uh, what about the laity? Yeah, so I think this is where, especially, um, our vocation is 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 so important. As, as our speaking as as a layman myself, we are uniquely uh, called and empowered to affect renewal in mm. the world. So we're father who uh, is sitting across me and I'm looking at because my chair is pointed that way. Uh, father, Father's role is to strengthen me, equip me, and empower me as a layman to bring the gospel into the world and to renew and affect change. And um, this is why, just anticipating again a point that, that we were going to make later, but Father empowers me particularly through the, through the liturgy. Right. Um, I, the liturgy, the the mass in particular, is the sort and summit of not just my worship, but of the entire Christian life. And therefore, I, as a layman, am, am through the ministry of the priest, empowered and equipped to bring the gospel into the world. And the mass is mission orientated. Right. The mass is always directed towards your living out and accomplishing your baptized mission. Uh, I just was uh, recently listening to uh, Father or Bishop Barron's uh, radio show and podcast, and, and and he quoted the great French theologian Henri de Lubac uh, from the 20th century. De Lubac said that the, f- the, 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 the most important words at Mass are the words of consecration. This is my body, my blood. The second most important words at Mass are ite misa est. Right. It, the, the, the closing words, it is finished, go, uh, whatever. Yep. Quite a mission. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, then just maybe one other last word would just be uh, to have a sense of Christian greatness right. about yourself, as opposed to worldly greatness, and this is not necessarily a political commentary, although it is. And so, uh, you know, greatness in the sense of gospel values, grace, grateful, great in the sense of the Beatitudes, right. great in the sense of the evangelical counsels of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Right. Right. So be attentive to the great things that God is calling you to and how we are to respond to them, uh, which is related to what we'll be talking about next week, actually. Ooh. Waiting for the Lord's call and then acting on it when he reveals it to us. With Pentecost? I think so. Okay. And then also, we also talked about poverty on a previous episode of Ignition right. just recently, like yep. in the late high 250s, maybe, yep. or something like that. Yep. So whatever it is, be attentive to what God is calling you to, because he is calling you, every one of us, to do something. We were called through our baptism, equipped through our baptism, to do our part to worship God rightly. And that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, you can email us, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or tweet at us, sfdiocese, use the hashtag Ignition, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org. Click on Media and then Audio Files. You can also subscribe to the Ignition Podcast in the iTunes Store. 
Remember to tune in every Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m. on Lamb Catholic Radio at 91.3 FM in Hartford and 104.3 LPFM Juan Diego Catholic Radio in Sioux Falls and on 88.9 FM in Ipswich and Aberdeen or online at lambradio.com.